the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bug Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bug Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I am the chief football writer of the Bolton News. Clear your cookies. This is the show that promises never to eat another biscuit again after Thursday. Except if it's one of those lotus things you get on the side of a posh cup of coffee. Because, I mean, that'd just be rude, wouldn't it? But uh, And dunking into the mug of Wanderers headlines this week. Price is right. Season ticket news hits the streets. Cup runneth over. Pay the penalty at Blackpool. Revenge time! Can Bolton topple Barnsley and continue the promotion chase? And which former Wanderer could never remember where his bank was? All of this in the show that does not recognise the Jaffa Cake. Wins Stanley with a good header and onside, Owen Coyle is onside. Coyle takes it on and that's goal number one. Owen Coyle, the Scotsman scores there. He wasn't offside, he broke the offside trap. And that goal was scored after 30 minutes by ex-Erdry man Owen Coyle and the Bolton supporters rejoice. Now Barnsley in possession with uh, Payton, Andy Payton on the ball, crosses it into the box and there it is, 1-1, that was a good goal. Payton played it into the box and picked out Chris Jackson superbly who knocked it home and gave Russell Oak no chance whatsoever. 1-1. And now, time to introduce the co-host of this podcast and someone who is probably delighted now that he didn't join me in the press box at Blackpool. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thank you, Mark. Yeah, my uh, my ears were taking a hammer in uh, watching it on Wondrous TV. So how I would have been <laughs> sat next to you and Derek, uh, I don't know. I can now exclusively reveal that Everett does not like Blackpool. Um, I found myself waking up in the middle of the night, not that I got much sleep, but uh, just, just repeating those words um, because they'd been drummed into me so uh, so heavily. Um, yes, very close proximity, the fans um, at Blackpool to the press box. In fact, one of them was sat, sat with me in the first half. I don't know how he got in there, um, but he seemed to be enjoying himself videoing the pitch, which you're not allowed to do, but there we go. Um, yes, well, so this is the second podcast of the week. Um, you hopefully have already listened to our transfer podcast, but we're not going to be mentioning transfers in this one. If you if you want to talk about deadlines and and it's still applicable, then all that is there for you to uh, for you to to listen to at your or your leisure. This is all about the the sort of nonsense that you get basically on a weekly basis. Uh, we talk about the games that have happened, the games that are coming up, and some emails and stuff. So there we go. That's the buff in a nutshell, basically. Um, shall we start, Henry? Shall we start in Cumbria? Carlisle United and and a ground which, I'm going to say it, hasn't modernised in a good 50 years and traffic is just ridiculous in Carlisle. It, the, the, the infrastructure of the roads is worse than any place that I've ever known for football. I mean, the infrastructure of the stand, uh, not the, the one behind the goal, but the the one that I'm assuming you were sat in, Mark. Yeah. If you're, if you're right at the end of that stand, you are adjacent with, well, you, you, 
if you look straight on, you are watching the back of heads behind that goal. Like it's well, well I think that's what I'll miss because I think of Lincoln's as well. What I'll miss most about League One is just the the random like Exeter's as well. Random stands of you know, like the the stadiums are just the way they built are Oddities, so random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those those kind of mismatch ones like Exeter, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I mean Bristol Rovers is another quality example, although I've got nothing good to say about them at the minute. Um, I mean Carlisle. The, Ooh, the... That could be. I mean, we're recording this before deadline day, so that could mean many things after <laughs> deadline day. Read from that what you will. I don't mind anymore. Um, yeah, I mean the the team had an absolute nightmare getting to the ground um we had a nightmare just getting from a a, a post office slash cafe that jack did and managed to find um like <laughs> like 500 yards from the ground and it took us about half an hour to get in um such was the such was the traffic either that or there was a lot of people that wanted to see hadrian wall that hadrian's wall that day it was um it was just a really really busy day around uh the, the, there was a police escort involved. There was this isn't for me and Jack. This is for the team. Um, there was a police escort involved. They ended up having to reverse back round through the fan zone. Nearly killed half a dozen people. It's uh, it was a right nightmare. But they got there in the end and they got the job done. Crucially, yeah, they did. First half was great. Uh, part of the second half was uh, maybe they let Carlisle on a bit much. But uh, but yeah. Sorry, out got four goals. You can't really uh, expect much more, can you? Kyle Dempsey got what could be politely put um, a, a, a hostile reception. Yeah. Um, now, I suppose, in a sense, you can understand uh, it's the first time he's gone back in a competitive game to Brunton Park um, since since the incident, since uh, since his assault conviction. Um, which happened uh, on, on the day of a pre-season friendly, bizarrely enough, at Brunton Park um, in July 2022. I, I suppose, in a sense, he was never going to get the red carpet rolled out for him. But what I will say is it, some of it was a little bit kind of like over the top. It certainly fired him up, though. Good grief. I haven't seen him I haven't seen him play. You know that in Friends they talk about Red Ross. It was a bit like Red yeah. Demps. He was mm-hmm. uh, he was absolutely flying around the place and uh yeah, it definitely uh, definitely brought a positive reaction from him. Yeah, it was Red Demps Redemption. There we go. Nice, nice. Yeah, a lovely just... video game reference as well. That's what we that's what you pay the money. Uh, actually none of us get paid, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, he got his red, uh, red Demp's redemption, uh, which he can save that for the next headline when when we play Carlo. Um, but um, no, he, he he played very well. He probably the best I've seen Dempsey play for a few uh, all season actually. And you know we've spoke about Dempsey before. He's a top top player, especially at this level, and we're lucky to have him. Has he been as good as last year? That's up for discussion. But he definitely showed what he can do. He, he's cross. The second goal led to Ashworth laying it off for Magoma. Um, yeah, and obviously he got, he got his goal. He took it very well. And I think that's what we've been after a bit of, you know, the midfielders sort of joining the attack, you know, getting into the box, making those late runs. And I know the game was stretched at that point, but Dempsey, I'm quite surprised. I think Dempsey's only scored three goals this season and I would have expected probably a bit more from him, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can do more of that. And, um 
Yeah, it was. I, I, I said on the podcast last week, it was a big weekend because you looked at the other fixtures and you thought, well, I don't see everyone else winning. And as it turned out, Barnsley obviously lost and um, and Peterborough drew. Mm. And uh, unfortunately for Bolton, it, with you know, with five minutes to go, we were actually going top of the table. But then uh, Portsmouth scored and then Derby scored a late goal. Portsmouth's penalty, you could argue, was soft. Derby, I watched the highlights of that game. Cheltenham should have had a penalty to make it 2-0. So it was unfortunate for Bolton in the end. But I think it kind of just... The fact that Bolton won so convincingly and everyone else is scrapping around, I think was a, a big moment for Bolton. It probably gave us a bit of confidence back that we'd lost in the weeks before. Yeah, it was a really good response, wasn't it? Considering they'd had... I mean, they certainly had an off day against Leighton Orient. Didn't play well against Cheltenham, but did just about enough to, to win the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was perfect tonic, really, especially for Dempsey, who then carried that through. I thought he was brilliant when he came off the bench at Blackpool as well. But um, I mean, the, the day belonged to a couple of players. Zach uh, Ashworth has, I mean, he's struggled a little bit. We talked about this a little bit in, in the other podcast, but he's, he struggled a little bit to show Bolton fans what the fuss is about. But I think this was probably his most complete display. He's scored a goal, which I think he meant. Um, and then created one as well for, for Paris. Uh, he'll be pleased with his afternoon's work. Yeah, he will. And uh, again, Ashworth's best game for us. And, uh, you know, I think I said on the podcast the other day, it's, it's probably shown us what uh, what the club's seeing him because he's not quite shown it yet. He's not really had that run of games. He's he's done it in little bits. But, you know, I, I think a lot of... There were some people actually saying that maybe we should... Uh, send him back mm. uh, in January and get someone else. So that it, it was probably needed for him. Um, and I thought he did well when he came on. I know he missed his penalty against Blackpool, but yeah. I thought he did quite well when he came on in the game. So, uh, yeah, he's showing that he's another option down that side. And uh, as I said the other day, we're, we're pretty stacked in that area now. So um, hopefully he can crack on and, and have a good end to the season because he falls in the bracket of one of those players where... He's on loan, but realistically, if he does well and we want to keep him, it's the options there. So for him, it's it's probably worthwhile him having a good end to the season. It, football's a strange business at times, isn't it? I mean, he's come off the pitch there. You've got Nathan Baxter pushing him towards the fans to get some get some applause and and you know a huge bank of Bolton fans screaming your name and such like. And then, of course, a few days later, he steps up to take a penalty what proved to be the crucial penalty against Blackpool and, and missed it. I, it's, a, it's a shame for the young lad, to be fair, because he is a, he is a very, um, he's a very decent young man. Uh, and it looked like it really hurt him when he, when he missed that penalty. I didn't really fancy him, if I'm honest, when he walked up, because he, he did that thing where he, he did a Chris Waddle-esque kind of stop and checked his laces and then started messing around with the ball on the spot. And I just I, I turned to young Dan in, in the press box and I said, this ain't going in. And uh, sadly, I was I was proven correct. Yeah, but um, to, uh, watching the, the penalties, the referee seemed more interested that the ball was on the spot for Bolton's penalties than Blackpool's. Is that true? Um, yeah. Which I... I Listen, I've never took a penalty at that level, but I can't imagine if you've got your idea. It could have been out in Ashworth's head, right? I'm going to go up, time my laces, and then take the penalty. But then when you got the referee going, oh, it needs to be a centimeter more to the left of the, you know, it does not help in anyone. So, 
Anyway, it is what it is. But um, in Ashworth's defence, you know, I know Blackpool missed two penalties as well, but he was, what, number seven, number eight to take it. Mm. And when your two strikers miss a penalty, then you're not really expected to win the penalty shootout, are you? So yeah, Ashworth, in theory, shouldn't have even took one. So it is what it is, though. Do you know what? I, I'm so over. I, I, when I was a kid and uh, England went out on penalties at, at Tally 90 and and then for every single major tournament after that, it, it used to be such a big thing. But I'm so over blaming penalty takers now. It's It, it just doesn't um, it doesn't really equate to me. Uh, it's uh, it's a horrible, horrible way to lose a game. But hey, um, maybe a few harsh lessons about about finishing, really. Certainly. Third minute of the game, Cameron Drone goes through one-on-one. He scores that goal. It is a totally different game. There were a couple of other chances. I mean, you know, there was there was one for Dion Charles that he turned and, and hit. George Thomason got one on the edge of the box that he kind of leaned back and, and didn't didn't connect with properly. There's a couple of couple of chances for Bolton that, that could have put them on the board, I suppose, at Blackpool. Yeah, there was, but I I don't think we created enough across the game. And mm. I, I don't know. I just the longer the game went on, I just lost all faith that we would we would do it. And it, we had the better of the last five minutes where Dion had his chance and uh, we had a corner right at the end and Dempsey got down the line, but the cross got cut out. And I, I, especially when we went into penalties, I thought we're not winning this. And actually, I've got to give credit to Joel Coleman because I didn't expect we'd we'd you know he'd save any of them and he scored he saved two, which were brilliant. And that's a great moment for him. It's just a shame we couldn't. They didn't lead to a win. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think... I, the only positive for me about the Blackpool game, apart from Joel Coleman, is that he's changed... And I know Rhodes weren't playing for Blackpool, but he's changed the pretty much the the whole team. At least mm. eight, seven or eight names, was it? Six eight, or seven changes? Seven. Yeah. He's changed them, and we've gone to Blackpool and effectively got a draw. So that tells me that, okay... We have got uh, our second eleven is quite decent at this level. It, you know, with players, I know we've got problems at centre half, but with players being changed, we, there's no, you know he doesn't change half a team and we lose five nil. You know, mm. we're still getting a result at a, a difficult place to go. So that's a positive for me. But other than that, yeah, I, I just don't think we created enough to. I mean, Neil Critchley said in his interview after the game, and to his credit. He, he said that it was a quite an even game and Blackpool just edged it. And I would actually agree with him on that. They, they probably edged it in that second half. Mm. And there was a point halfway through the second half that if there was going to be a goal, you'd expect it would have been at Black, for Blackpool. But um, yeah, it's it's disappointing. It's I think speaking on Wednesday morning, though, I've been very reflective. Um, I, I think that... Oh, of course, we would have liked to have got to Wembley, but whatever happened, it wouldn't have been the same as last year. Mm. I don't even think we'd have took as many fans as last year. Exactly. We would yeah. have we would have played. Your best hope of an actual attendance would have been Bradford, but then if you play Bradford, you're probably going to beat them four or five nil. In a you know, so it doesn't mean as much as like beating the team at the top of the league. You're in four or five nil. Mm. Peterborough would have been a great game, but then if you lose to Peterborough, you're losing. The atmosphere is quite dead, you know, like, um, and, and I think the other team, Wickham and, uh, well, is it, oh, Wickham play tonight, I think. So, yes. And you, yeah, yeah. um, 
And again, that would have been the same. You'd have probably beaten Wickham, but the attendance is going to be like probably six to one in Bolton's favour. So yeah, it just wouldn't have been the same as last year. So I would have loved to have got to the final. I, ne I, I never agreed with anyone saying, oh, let's just sack it off so we can play two less games. It was, it's only two games. I think we could have managed that. But now at least there's, there's a proper focus towards the um, the the league and we're going to get two extra weeks where we not get any games in between. So I guess that's a positive. I mean, the the big debate that comes out of the Blackpool game is not necessarily exiting the tournament. I think a lot of people, a lot of people made their 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 peace with that quite quickly. I mean, with within about two seconds of of the the save being made, I think they were singing, you know, "F the cup, <laughs> we'll win the league." Um, absolutely yeah. spot on. That's exactly the kind of mentality they need. The problem that comes out of that game, of course, is the two potential injuries to, to Santos and, and Toll that we're looking at now. But but basically an overall look at that centre-back cover and the fact that there maybe isn't. Now, we don't know, as we're sitting here, whether or not Bolton have reacted to that or, or what. But it's... Yeah, I mean, it 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 bring it brought up a, a debate as to whether or not this squad is deep enough in every single position to get the job done. How how confident are you as things stand here? <laughs> um, you know what? I think uh, if we have problems with the defense, they're gonna be for a week or mm. two weeks. And I know we we play a few games in those times, but we we've got three games in hand on Portsmouth. And at, the, at this moment in time, we just need to win one and we're above them. We could be above them on Saturday mm. with a game, you know, three games in hand. So I think I'm still quite confident. I think when the, the when everything settles down, which I think will be mid-Feb, we'll get Geffen Jones back. You've got them players that have, have been injured recently who are getting back up to speed. You're looking at the likes of Mendes Gomez and Ashworth who haven't really played but should play a, a quite a few games mm. the january transfers are settled down i think we'll i'm fully confident we'll go on a, a run we'll go on a run and uh and be fine i think there's enough games even though we've still got to play peterborough away derby away barnsley away um you know we've still got to play portsmouth at home even though we've got those big games we've still got enough of the rest who we we actually normally do quite well against um to say that we'll get over the line fine and I think uh, I think the three games in hand, you know, it, that I think that could have become a hindrance. But I think if they're getting a few bodies in, I think those three games in hand could. Well, I think it will be fine. There will be a time. I will guarantee it now that we look at the squad with players returning, and it won't be long before the likes of Gethin Jones is back, or Will Forrester is back, or. You know, Mendes Gomez is fully fit. Ramsey and Ogbetta that we haven't even touched on really. I mean, they, they they still obviously need to come up to full fitness. We we kind of touched on that in the other podcast, but they both played against Blackpool quite well, but they, they obviously were lacking a bit of fitness. There will be a time in the coming months where we think, how are you going to fit all this into a squad? That's what happens. It's They, they are currently in a bit of a trough in terms of... Uh, selection options but there are always peaks as well so I'm sure I just hope that coincides with the big games that you just mentioned there the away games at Derby the away games at Peterborough that there are going to be options that Bolton don't pay that, that Bolton don't miss out because of injuries 
that would be the sad thing because it will open up that door for, for criticism for, oh, well, you didn't legislate for this, you didn't, a lot of kind of whataboutery. I think at the minute, you know they're they're going through going through the mill a little bit. Hopefully, transfer deadline day has has rectified that, and we're all we're all uh, whistling a happy tune on Saturday when it comes to to looking at the team sheets against Barnsley. But we shall see. I think the mood I think the mood is still confident, and certainly that's what I picked up as the players were coming off um, on Tuesday night. You know, people were. People were pretty quick just to brush off any sort of disappointment. Wembley's all well and good, but yeah, let's face it, you're never going to be out of top 4-0 against Plymouth. No, and I think, um, yeah, it's, it would have been nice, but it's just one of those things. I think this year is meant, last year, realistically, we weren't going to get promoted. Uh, there were teams at the top who were all on 100 points. Uh, then you had Barnsley who were, who were better than us. So... Last year, it was made for that, to go to Wembley and have that moment. And I think this year, you know, you go back, it's it's kind of after the Lord Mayor's show. You, it's a bit of a, oh, we've been here before. You get the win and it's... you. But every, on everyone's minds at the moment is promotion and winning the league. Mm. So I think that's the, the bigger... It is the bigger fish to, to fry. With Blackpool, ironically, probably in the same position we were in last year, where it would mean a lot to them to get to Wembley. They've had difficult times, so it's kind of like into this new Blackpool. They can go to Wembley, fill their end, you know, all dressed in orange, and it's it's a great day out for them. Whereas hopefully that weekend, we've just come off the back of beating Bristol Rovers. Aaron Collins has scored but for Bolton, uh, and uh, we go four or five points clear at the top. Mm, yeah, fingers crossed that uh, Aaron Collins is a Bolton player um, as we as this podcast goes out, because quite frankly, at the minute, we don't know. Um, right, one uh, issue, one headline. We're not doing headlines because, I mean, let's face it, we can't really predict what the headlines are going to be because so much of them are transfer related. But one headline I can assure you that will be out by the time we uh, hit the podcast factory will be season tickets and, well... As as it, I mean, even you don't know this, Henry, because I'm I'm reading out information here that even you don't know. Um, Bolton Wanderers uh, will be launching their season tickets at 10 a.m. on Friday, um, and the prices will be going up uh, in in most cases um, back to the levels that they were at um, a couple of years ago, two years earlier. Um, it's an interesting one. I think any time any prices go up, there there are going to be people that uh, you know furrow their brow and, and and say why are they going up? Now, obviously, Bolton's situation is such that they may be playing Championship football next season. They have to set their levels out somewhere. So the the data that the club have collected put these new prices. Um, if they were to stay at League One level, um, they would be the fourth most expensive season ticket uh, average season ticket price for an adult season ticket in the division um which yeah i mean that's that is what it is but if they were to go to the championship they would be in the bottom four of the uh, the season tickets there's not there's not many teams at all huddersfield may be the only one that's slightly cheaper i'm told so in a sense, you are making a bit of a. There's a bit of a gamble there, isn't there? If you're a, if you're a season ticket holder looking to renew, 
Um, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that just go, yes, here is my money. It's a brilliant offer. Happy days. We're still, you know, I, I, I would pay anything to come watch Bolton Wanderers. There will be some who sit and wait. And I think this early bird offer goes to April the 13th, which corresponds with the game against Portsmouth as well, by the way. So it's a very, uh, it's a very interesting time now for these season tickets because the numbers have been so good, haven't they? Yeah, have, yeah, and and like it's a credit to to Bolton and Boltonians that they want to get behind the club, and I think next year it's, I mean, it's it's a fascinating point that they make about um, that. Yeah, okay, we'd be in the top four in League One, but we'd be the bottom four in the Championship in prices. Um, obviously, at that point, you're getting towards the end of the early bird deadline, you'd imagine yeah. we should have a clearer view of what's going to happen. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you could argue there's so many arguments that okay, Bolton in the past have been very much like, oh, we want to do the right thing for the fans. We're in a still in a, a difficult situation financially across the country. Mm. We want to look after our fans, but then at the same time, if Bolton get promoted, you are playing better quality teams, and you have to pay for a better quality product. Unfortunately, if we got to the Premier League, you would imagine they'd go up again. So um, you have to take it as it is. Um, I, as I've said before, I don't have a season ticket because I, I tend to work some Tuesdays. So it's it's uh, I can only get to a few Tuesday games and obviously we play quite a lot. You have to also consider that with the new Sky deal that games are going to be more accessible, far more than what they are now. Mm. Bolton won't actually be playing on Saturday as much as what we are now. So that could affect it. You know, you've got people who will, who, they could be looking and you, you get people who maybe could work at like one Saturday a month or two Saturdays a month who go, well, I don't have a season ticket because of that. But now because of Sky, they go, hang on a minute, we're playing those two Saturdays. We could be playing Thursday or Friday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. So therefore I will get a season ticket. But on the other hand, it might not work for other people. So it's... Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the uh, to see the uh, the figures that come out. I was talking to a Bradford fan this week, and as we all know, Bradford season tickets are some of the cheapest in the country, and that's why they get seventeen thousand every week. But um, he was saying that Bradford's like Bradford are relying on the Bristol Street Motors Trophy to get them some interest in season tickets and that's what we do every year despite being in league two they will go they will rely on maybe getting a new manager in and going oh but next year it's going to be different or they'll have a good end of a season and go well next year we're going to get promoted or they'll have a, a cup run and go well you can have this again next year um so it, it all depends on the end of a season if bolton win the league or if bolton get promoted then i guess a lot more people will be putting their hands in the pockets because they'll want to carry this on, even though, as we all expect next year, if Bolton get promoted, they won't win as many games as what we're winning this year. There's definitely a lot of pressure on it. There's definitely a lot of pressure on it. And, you know, they, they had 16,500 season ticket holders this, this year, which is the most since uh, 2008-9. In fact, we've got an email about that in a bit. Um which is, is is tremendous, and, and you've got to give a lot of credit to the club, the way that they've structured things. I think a couple of years ago, 
the, the pricing structure w- was a little bit kind of higgledy piggledy. You never there was different uh, different prices for top tier, bottom tier, different stands, and and it all didn't really make a great deal of sense. They've kind of made it uniform, haven't they? And it's a little bit easier to read now. Um, there's still a few little kind of quirks about it, but uh, I, I think the the work they've done, particularly with the younger fans. I mean the the youth. Uh, season tickets the under 12 season ticket is is dirt cheap I think it was 35 quid this year it's like it's, it's nothing really is it for a, for a kind of dad and lad type of situation to, to go I think even the under 12s one is going up to, to 45 but it's still very very cheap to if, if that's if that's your bag um, as a as a as a youngster, I'm not too sure I could have dragged my kids there to to watch uh, to watch a game of football. But um, I think they've done. You can tell, I and mean, you can tell the demographics of the stadium is it's different now than it was five years ago. And under the you know the iron rule of Ken, uh, there were there were the hardcore there, and there were probably you know a. a, a, a an unsavory element, I would have said, would have would have been more prevalent as well. But there were not it was more a lot of, a of chore. Yeah, it was no, more it's, chore it's absolutely. Though. But I, I think there was. I think that that there was the the Bolton fans that have always been there. There were probably, uh, you know, some some younger males. Let's put it that way. But there were not a lot of kids. There were not a lot. Of, not a lot of women. I'll be no. honest. Uh, but that has changed. It has become much more of a family focus around the club. There's no question about that in my mind. It's particularly in the in the stand where the press box is, you can you can look around and it's a it's a really it's a really decent uh, decent place to watch football now. Yeah, and I, I think it does help with what goes on on the pitch. Obviously, what uh, the club's ethos is, um, you know, having Sharon at the top is does help because you know if you're local and you're hearing on the local news, oh, Bolton Wanderers, Sharon Britton, they've got this. Uh, amazing woman who's in charge of it. It's it's going to make the um, you know more women or more yeah, yeah, more yeah. families come. Um, and I know that in the last few years, I've I've had a few mates of mine who support other clubs who I won't mention, but other clubs, <laughs> not Wigan, other clubs around this Don't area. Wigan. <laughs> no, but um, the they they've brought their young ones and they've mm. been talking to me and going, well, where should, you know I want to because it's a. They're hearing it's a good quality of football. Mm. You're playing well. It's a good atmosphere. It's a safe place to come. And yeah, there's pockets of the ground where I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't stick my family in. But there is also <laughs> plenty of others where you would. And it's and again, I you know against Burton, I sat in a different. I sat in the uh, in the East Stand. And um, it, it wherever you sit at Bolton, it's a great view, which isn't the same at a lot of other clubs. Uh, even in the Premier League, it's it's not the same. Crikey, yeah, damn right. <laughs> if you've ever been to Goodison Park, you would definitely uh, definitely underline that one. But yeah, it's going to be interesting what they do with the uh, with the season tickets and and how people people do view it. But that um, that is going to be launching on uh, on Friday um, with uh, with all the bells and whistles that Bolton put on it. So yes, let us know. E- email us in. Let us know how that's. Um, how that's going to affect you. Um, right, okay, we're going to move on and play a bit of Who Are You? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Who 
are you indeed? This week it is the letter M. Um, and we have fascinating facts about three players whose surname begins with the letter M. Um, and thank you very much to Stuart for the three that he sent in. There were others. It actually seems to have caught on now. People people have kind of, they realise what we need. We need fascinating facts. We need, we, need, we need kind of short, punchy stuff. I don't need a huge, long bio of, uh, of a player that I need to, to go through and, and do any work for. I basically need you guys to do my work for me. Next week is N. Go nuts. Go nuts. E- email in with your suggestions for N for next week. Um, but Henry, have you uh, turned on your digital uh, Josh Dakers cogliometer? I have, yeah. He's um, he took a bit of a battering the other day with his penalty. It it hit the bar a few times, but uh, <laughs> it's all right now. That was incredible, wasn't it? It was a work of art. Uh, so yes, uh, the first one on our who are you this week uh, is Martin Margotson, a double M, if you will. Do you remember Martin Margotson at all? No. Well. I mean, I'm not sure I do that much. I mean, I remember him as a player, but um, he's a Welsh goalkeeper. He played once for Wales, um, but he came on loan to Bolton in 1994 and didn't play. Uh, He was supposed to play in two reserve games, uh, but they both got called off, apparently. Um, And then Manchester City got an injury to uh, Andy Dibble, and he got called back as understudy to Tony Coton at the time. So after retirement... Um, Gary Speed brought him into the Wales setup, and he did quite well there. And this is something that I don't think we say enough, but now we have an ex-Bolton Wanderer as goalkeeper coach of England under Gareth Southgate. Really? Wow, I've, I've, I've never heard of him. That's uh, that's more bad on me than him. So, uh, yeah, that's great. That's that's a, that's a an interesting one. It's going to... It's going to go into the 6.5s on the Dacus Cogley scale because, yeah, it's interesting. But he never, technically never played for Bolton, so that goes against. I'll take 6.5. I'll take 6.5. That's perfect. Um, right, second one. Now, I've got two really good ones here. Um, which one do I do first? I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the one that you probably will remember. So, um, do you remember Abdullah Mate? Of course, yes. Uh, did he refuse to play at Old Trafford once uh, for Bolton in the... That's exactly the story that is on here. Oh, oh, no, you've ruined it. You've ruined it. Oh, the, the Josh Dakers cogliometer has, has completely ruined it. Um, well, it's going to be a zero then, isn't it? I mean, you're not going to get a reading <laughs> if you already know it. Um, I mean, should we, should we just, ah, let's go through it. Let's go through it. He's an yeah. Ivorian centre-half. He was signed from Marseille. Play, because let's face it, there, there will be listeners that might not know this story. 68 times for Bolton Wanderers, he scored two goals. He was involved in what can only be described as an incredible incident at Old Trafford uh, during a 2-0 defeat against Manchester United. Now, Gary Megson tells this story infinitely better than I can, and he has stuck to it through all the years. Abdullah Mate refutes these claims, um, but here we go. So, Bolton are losing. They go in at half-time. Gary Megson draws the, the troops round to say, you know, if you get an early goal, you can get back into this. Um, looks in everybody's, like, counting the plays. Right, where's, where's Abdullah Mate? Turns around. Abdullah Mate is brushing his teeth and has a towel around his waist. He's been in the shower. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not playing. This is Gary Megson telling this story. Um, 
undressed, refused to go out for the second half. Bolt ended up making a substitution. After the game, apparently there's a big blazing argument, but uh, but Gary Megson, I, I was there in the tunnel at the time. Gary Megson definitely flustered, not happy at all with the way that went down. And Billy Matey said he was injured, said he would have been no use to Bolton whatsoever. Um, but even this, all these, all these years on, I still haven't really got to the bottom of whether that actually happened or not. I will actually try and, and bottom out and ask some of the people that will have been in that dressing room, the Kevin Davises and Kevin Nolans of this world, um, Nicky Hunt. I, I will I will try and ask one of those guys and bring you a definitive answer on that uh, for the podcast. But, I mean, dare you even mark it? How, how would you think somebody who didn't know that story would react? <laughs> well, um it, it, the Dacus Cognis scale was going up and down because I did know roughly, I knew what, so that would start off low. But then the fact that he's, he's shouted uh, or uh, made a fool of Gary Megson brings it up highly. But then spiked. It spiked, but uh, then he did refuse to play for the club and at Old Trafford. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna put it as a, a 6.5. I think if I was to take off that, I kind of knew that. Uh, 6.5 I think what what pushed it up to 6.5 is the fact that you were there so uh, you can confirm that Megson was flustered definitely there were a, there were a couple of occasions I think I think enough time has now elapsed for, uh, for me able to say this but there were a couple of occasions where you got the, the the idea that Gary Megson had been involved in an argument <laughs> in the dressing room and you know there was there was occasions where he came out cool as a cucumber no problem at all and then occasionally you know his shirt be a bit ruffled and he'd be red and he'd be thinking yep there has been a right barney in there it happens <laughs> it's football it does happen but uh it's uh it, it was quite amusing at the time um not amusing for to, to a supporter i should imagine because like you say it's old trafford it's united you should be dying to get out onto that bitch um right a nice, a, a nice. Well, no, it's not a nice one, but it's a, it's it's a nicer player. Um, Mustafa Riga. Yeah. Riga what Mustafa. What hair? What hair? What hair? Indeed, uh, Mustafa Riga. Uh, I'm going to call him inexplicably popular. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't really remember why he was good. So he was signed from Levante, where he'd had some pay problems uh, by Gary Megson. Uh, talking about the ginger Mourinho. Uh, played 22 games for Bolton. Never scored a goal. Never scored a goal. I did see him score in pre-season once, um, but he never scored in the first team. He, he then he, he went on and he played back in Spain for a bit, and then he went to India at Puna, you know, where Phil Brown coached as well. I think it was. Or it might have been Coyley. Can't remember. But anyway, uh, he became the chief executive of a Ghanaian team, uh, BA United, which sounds like right. an, air, an airliner, but. BA United, uh, that was 2015. Now, this is, the, this is the great bit, right? According to Ghana Soccernet, the reputable Ghana football website, um, he was arrested in May 2017 after storming his local radio station in Sunyani. Um, it's called Space FM. <laughs> he stormed mm. Space FM to express his anger about negative comments aimed at his club. Uh, the journalists were suitably threatened uh, to call the police, and he ended up actually going through the legal system and being arrested. 
um, all because potentially of player match marks or uh, or a bit of criticism. Can you imagine? If uh, if Neil Hart came bursting into the Bolton news offices on Monday morning because I'd given Aaron Morley a five, can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking. I'm looking behind me now at my door. I hope. Uh, <laughs> I hope. I don't know. Cameron Jerome isn't getting outside my house. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. That I like that. That's. Uh, I'm going to push that to an eight because I, I never knew that. I've not even probably thought about Mustafa Riga uh, in years. So uh, yeah, eight. Mustafa Riga. I mean, I, I really haven't. The only thing I will say about Mustafa Riga is that he used to bank at Barclays Bank um, in Bolton, which actually ended up being the Bolton News offices. They got turned turned into the offices. Um, but Mustafa Riga could never find the bank. And I used to walk across from the, the old Churchgate offices in Bolton um, across across the town centre. And, and, and every once in a while, you'd bump into him, you'd be like... Can you, where's the bank? Can you tell me where the bank is? And I'd always direct him back towards where he where he came. And I, I mean, that's I must have done it. I knew where he banked. I don't think I've ever said that about any other Bolton Wanderers player. <laughs> but he was continually lost. He was <laughs> relaxed to the point of uh, of zombiedom. I think he was uh, he was very very uh, very chilled fella. Bless him. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Bless him. Anyway, right. Should we have some emails, Henry? Yes. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, we had to uh, we had to dump a couple of emails last week because of time purposes, but we've uh, we're going to do them now. Um, and uh, and thank you very very much to. Craig from Bury St Edmunds for the first one. Um, firstly, a big thanks for your superb podcast. Just let it be said that if you're gonna if you're gonna praise the podcast in the opening line of your email, it will almost certainly get read. So yes, um, so yes, superb podcast. It's the first thing I listen to on a Friday morning as living in a much drier, both environmentally and culturally, East Anglia. Um, it's a refreshing bit of honest, no nonsense northern joviality. Uh, following the club's recent call for song suggestions, I racked my brain thinking of a tune that was catchy, fun, and more importantly, captured the no-nonsense ethos and happy-go-lucky attitude of the fans, who do it quite well anyway with their um, W.W. Wondra chant. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, that one. That one, that one the, 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 the footballing world has not understood that you can't sing that to Bolton fans because they sing it about their own team. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Why does, why does nobody know? They still do it. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, I digress. Um, uh, and it tells uh, any opposition that fans at the tough sheet really don't take themselves that seriously. The tune I came up was Lip Up Fatty by Bad Manners. Do you know the tune, Henry? Uh, not off the top of my head. Not by the title, anyway. Lip up, fatty. It's a it's a scar kind of two tone um, job. Uh, the reasons for his choice is it's quite a nice, catchy number. Um, it's easy to follow. It's catchy. It's no earworm. It's happy, melodic, uh, bouncy rhythm. It's silly. It's fun. It's nonsensical. Epitomising the ding dang do laugh spirit of Bolton. He says here. Um, it even has a section midway through encouraging clapping. And lastly, Bad Manners, quite an apt band, uh, band name for Bolton, uh, a club sometimes regarded by uh, as a, a party pooper and unfashionable by the more pretentious uh, Premier League clubs. Um, he says, all we need is a bus- Bolton Buster Blood Vessel to get them going. Now, Buster Blood Vessel was the lead singer of Bad Manners, 
Um, he was a large, bald-headed man who likes to frequently be in the public eye and is not afraid to stick his tongue out. Um, and right. Craig says, I wonder who could do that. Um, do you fancy the job, Henry? Uh, no, do you? Not really. <laughs> not, not really. Um, thanks again to you and Henry for your brilliant show uh, and all the best to the Mighty Whites and the render of the season. Thank you very much, Craig. Do I fancy... Now, Buster Blood Wrestle uh, was a very, very big guy. Um, I mean, I'm a big guy, but I wasn't Buster Bust Blood Wrestle big. He used to be able to do cartwheels and flips, though. He was, he was very good at gymnastics. He used to do this kind of like really high-energy dancing at the front of this uh, scar band. Um, no wonder he was called Buster Blood Vessel, but uh, yeah, I, I wonder if he's still with us. Anyway, lip up, fatty. But uh, let us know if you've got any other tunes that you. Uh, you think should be included because the club are listening to this sort of thing, by the way. They are trying to whittle down that um, that fantasy kind of uh, pre-match playlist, um, which has been it's been very different recently. Have you noticed that, Henry? The, the, the pre-match music really has changed. Yeah, I like it. I like the pre-match music. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet with having uh, Dion on the Belmonts uh, yeah. after they come out uh, in that sort of gap between kickoff and I think I don't know it, there, there'll be something that'll go there eventually I don't know whether the wanderer is quite uh, that song but um, I definitely feel we should have the wanderer somewhere uh, rocking all over the world at the end of the game is a good idea however uh, the only time I've heard it so far is after a, a scraped 1-0 victory over Cheltenham <laughs> and it didn't quite have the uh, same effect <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah lucky we'll, we'll you by the lightning seeds might have been a better one for that one, really. Um, yeah, I think if we win on Saturday, maybe that's more appropriate to have that after yeah. that game. Do you know what? A status quo did a version of The Wanderer, and it's much more upbeat. Very good. They used it to is. play it. They used yeah. to play it, didn't they? Well, well I mean, I mean, it's been, it's been and gone now. I mean, it's an old debate, but I do think that was a missed opportunity. They should have, should have looked into that one. Um, okay, so this one is from Isaac, who is a Bolton fan down in Bournemouth with no connection to Bolton, other than feeling that they needed my help. <laughs> Which, okay. The random ways that we support football teams. Uh, but there we go. Um, Isaac asks, hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for your fantastic podcast. Uh, tick that box. Ding. Um, anyway, I would love to know what our record season ticket sales are for Bolton Wanderers. Um, I was surprised the last highest was 0809 under Gary Megson, who's getting a lot of name checks this week. Um, surely Big Sam's teams had more. Um, so I had a little bit of a dig around and I believe the highest season ticket sales were in 2003-04. Um, and the, the great thing that heralded this was that the arrival of Brazilian superstar Mario Jardel, said the press release, um, have uh, ensured that Bolton Wanderers season ticket sales are set to hit 20,000. Um, Bolton public flooding basically to see this exciting talent who scored goals around Europe he's been a golden boot winner um, surely surely he he'll be able to you know fire Bolton to the to the heights in that season surely Mario nothing could go wrong says the press release if only, <laughs> if only they knew <laughs> he did score at Anfield though 
he did score at Anfield. He did score at Anfield, but uh, yeah, didn't do a lot else. He scored against Walsall as well. I think it was the other team. <laughs> the but, big, the big names. Yeah, but twenty thousand seasons. I mean, to be fair, as we've mentioned before, sixteen and a half thousand now at the moment is is incredible. Is incredible uh, for being a League One club. Can you see the days where? sellouts are possible again. I mean, I can remember in the early days of the Reebok that you couldn't get a seat. It was literally sold out. The first the first season was almost perpetually sold out, really. And and, and they even expanded the, the 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 capacity of the stadium very slightly, didn't they? And and it was even yeah. selling out then. Yeah. Um, you can always gauge it off whether Bolton fans are sat in the south stand, yeah. which we were in the Premier League days. And um, in fact, they used to only give away fans half the um of that stand the yeah. other half was bolton fans or they'd have them in the top tier and bolton fans in the bottom or whatever but um yeah um i think we can do i think you know if if we go on this rise again maybe get a, another good cut run say in the fa cup when we're in the championship similar to what happened in the late 90s and early noughties and then get to the premier league i think that's where you'll um you you know you'll see the, the fans again i think there's it's it's funny actually off air we were talking about Barnsley and how there's a lot of Barnsley fans in that town you, you obviously my in-laws are from Barnsley so I go there quite a lot and you see a lot of Barnsley fans like shirts knocking about more than you do in Bolton actually uh with Bolton shirts but I do think there's a lot of Bolton fans about as we saw against uh, Plymouth at Wembley but I just think for a lot of them it's they just don't you don't go. I don't know. And and I think the higher up the league you go, like uh, with the white hot years, suddenly the attendance is shot up from in Division 4 when they were getting 4,000 because you want to be a part of it. And I think mm. that's where we're at at the moment. And I think if we get promoted and start doing well in Cups and, and push on, I think that'll be the same again. So I, I can see it getting to that point. The, the other thing as well with modern football, which probably wasn't even an issue back at Burnham Park to to, to, to a massive degree is, is the hospitality side of things and that's something that Bolton have really tried to get a grip on and people are not just going for the football anymore rightly or wrongly um, but you do need you know a, a, a kind of a different class if you will of, uh, of, of people that are going there for something to eat and for the kind of the dining experience or the, the, the entertainment experience with football as, a, as an addition um, it obviously it happens in many of the Premier League grounds, the, the top ones. Um, and it's a, a terrific way to spend an afternoon, if you ask me. But I don't often get the chance. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that, that kind of Bolton are, are opening up now and, and that's going to attract a different type of fan as well that that maybe has not been there all the time or, or maybe you know only a small number of those people have been there. I think that's that's the kind of the, the way they've opened their arms a bit more on that type of thing. Yeah, um, it's it's more of a yeah, it's, it's just more of a, a family atmosphere, and mm. you know, with a fan zone as well, and there's one or two burger vans outside the ground as well. Now it's it mm. just seems to be more of a um, yeah, a bit more of an event, and I think that's what is needed at Bolton. I think you need because it builds an atmosphere. If people are there for longer rather than just turning up at ten to three, mm. um, it builds an atmosphere. It, you you. Yeah, it's just a nicer environment. So I think, yeah, I can see season tickets. We'll wait and see next year if the prices have gone up. But we'll, uh, you know, we'll see 
we'll see how season tickets do and then as they do if we get into the championship and beyond um, if the club are listening I do have one suggestion for how to guarantee maximum season tickets and it just boils down to one word Zorbs <laughs> hey we've got the bathtub we have got the bathtub but it's rubbish isn't it I mean, you know, it's. I mean, I, thanks, Victorian plumbing and all that kind of stuff. I, I, it's a lovely brand experience and all that kind of thing. But you know, Zorbs, until you've got until you've got two inflatable bathtubs battling each other for supremacy on the pitch, it's not the same as Zorbs. No, it was. um, It was quite. I mean, obviously, the Cheltenham the first game was was sad for many reasons, but Mm. it was sad walking out the ground and seeing them deflate the bathtub. (laughs) Because uh, obviously we never got to half time, um, but uh, yeah, we I, I don't I don't mind the bathtub. It's just a bit, yeah. You can't really have much fun with it. I think when it sobs or even people taking penalties or trying to cross by challenges, you can have a bit of fun watching that. But uh, I don't know, yeah, shooting a, a ball into a bathtub, not actually shooting, but through a cannon, it's not. Uh, not for me, but now that now that gladiators so. is back, I think full scale gladiators at halftime. Zorbs, pugil sticks, <laughs> the pyramid, hang tough, the whole thing should be reenacted at halftime. Um, <laughs> and also you have to bring back Jet. But anyway, uh, <laughs> time for some predictions. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. It's going to be another busy week. Uh, Barnsley at home and then Cambridge United away. I've got that to look forward to on a Tuesday night. Um, Barnsley at home, we'll start with that one, Henry. It rings quite close to home for you. You know a bit about Barnsley uh, through your family connections. And I've just spoken to uh, to Doug at the Barnsley Chronicle. And he says that kind of Barnsley... Have undergone quite a bit of change from the team that beat Bolton in the playoffs last season. They had a new manager, obviously Michael Duff went uh, into the Championship with Swansea to you know mixed reaction, and his style that was pretty uncompromising has been changed. And Neil Collins has got a kind of more possession-based style now, so it's a different type of Barnsley, and it's one that have lost a lot of big games this season against the top clubs. They've done very well elsewhere. But against the Derby, uh, you know, Oxford, Pompey, that kind of club, they've not done as well. Yeah, the, I mean, Barnsley, I was speaking to a few of my wife's like cousins and, and uncles um, around Christmas. And they were all very pessimistic, actually, about Barnsley and um, about the, the style of football, about uh how the team's doing and and stuff and to be honest since then they seem to have picked it up a bit they've they've suddenly found themselves mm. with well before last week a couple of points away from the likes of Bolton and Portsmouth and that so um they are on a good farm obviously they lost at the weekend which knocked them back a little bit but i think for Bolton's sake it's it's another big weekend where you know, if you win, this is it. Every weekend we go from, you, you lost against Leighton Orient and it's all over and everyone's slumping around and whatever. And then we go and beat Carlisle and it's great again. And I think this is another big weekend because if Bolton can beat Barnsley, I think that would knock Barnsley. I don't think Barnsley would, we'd be whatever, seven points above them with a game in hand. I don't see Barnsley getting back to, to Bolton. So that would kind of knock them out for me. 
for not promotion but away from us um and then yeah you, you've got to look at everyone else Portsmouth you, you can't decide Portsmouth can't decide whether they want to win or lose um so it wouldn't surprise me if they got beat at the weekend another at home Derby are the same and Peterborough have got Wigan so Wigan tend to do F, you know occasionally they'll pull a, a, a really big result out of nowhere so you hope that that's then am I going to so, be uh, am I going to be rooting for Wigan this weekend there's a there's enough games left in the season yeah. for Peterborough to drop points against other teams yeah no that's fine <laughs> I'm happy with that I'm happy with that um, yeah but you know I think uh, it's a, it's, yeah it's a, it's a big weekend for Bolton a lot of attention will be on the defenders but if we can get a win it kind of lays to rest a bit the ghost of the playoffs and it could put us top of the league and then we've got Cambridge who I, I think you know the nice seeing Kachunga again but I, I can't see them beating us if we're at our best so I, I can see us getting six points wow wow six point a six point week would do me down to the ground a lot's gonna hinge really on what happens deadline day and obviously that's um that hasn't happened yet in our timeline at the moment. Uh, but uh, the defensive thing does worry me, I have to say. Even if, and we're speaking now on Wednesday, even if Ricardo Santos and Owen Toll get past fit by the scans, it still worries me slightly. Now, I, I, might, I, I might be imagining it, but certainly with, um, with Randall Williams, I was going to say Will Forrester as well, but certainly with Randall Williams, there was a minor issue that was played down, it was like, it's fine, it's, it just needs a little bit of rest. And then it became a bigger issue. Now, Bolton are in that situation at the minute with, with Toll and with Santos that obviously there was a problem at Blackpool on Tuesday night. Can they afford not to have cover now with knowing that that could be a problem and that Jones is still potentially a little bit away and Forrest is still potentially a little bit away? It's all getting quite scary. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, I, I think we'll be okay. I think they might get someone before yeah. the deadline. Obviously, we yeah. don't know that yet, but um, we'll have to wait and see. That's it's that's this is the thing with it is that yeah, if you look at if it is a, a back three of um, you know, you've just mentioned mm. like the Dacus Cogleys of this world, and and mm. in that central, you're gonna you're gonna wonder in terms of height how we're gonna deal with it. I think mm. the football has changed and the way Bolton have changed that. Um, the defense is is plays with the feet a lot more. Yeah. So I I don't know whether we'd get away with it. We'd get away with it more than we would have done ten fifteen years ago. But you're still looking when you've got Cosgrove and Devante Cole up front for them. You're probably looking at them. They're going to win balls in the air. So you need at least some presence there. I think if you're looking at a Bolton team that might not have Santos in it, then you're looking to stick it stick it on them without question. I, I think Bolton will beat Barnsley. I've got a funny feeling there may just be a point at Cambridge. It may just be one, uh, you know, maybe just a step too far potentially, but it'd be interesting to see how they juggle. Um, how how much of a role can you see Ramsey and Ogbetta playing? I mean, they're having to be eased in a little bit, aren't they? They are, but if we've got problems in defence and you've got fullbacks going to more central roles, you're going to have to play, unfortunately. Mm. So, mm. yeah, it's... Um, I think we'll have to wait and see. That's all we can do is wait and see. There may be more. I suppose you'll be speaking to Ian Everett um, at some point in the next few days. So yeah. maybe there's more to be said in that. Maybe he plays he plays the cards, saying, "Yeah, we we stuck for defenders and Santos and Toll will be fine." Um, 
I mean, to be fair to Toll, he's got a, a, a problem, but... He still did 90 I, minutes, I, yeah. Yeah, he still did 90 minutes. He might, you know, sometimes players can have a problem, but maybe an injection will get them through it, or, um, uh, or it's just a bit of an issue that we'll need addressing at some point. So Toll might be okay. It's Sansos, mm. if he's got his calf strain... But again, you know, Everett said after the game that he didn't he didn't make it worse by playing. So mm. maybe they've took him off as a precaution. So he could be fine. I think if the defense, if we've if we've got Santos and Toll out, I can see I can see problems. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I still I think we'll beat Barnsley, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was a draw. And then uh, I'm actually more confident for Cambridge. I think we'll be fine there. But. Um, but again, it all depends on the defence. If we're struggling at the back, then you've got problems. Mm. And uh, Luca Canell had a bit of illness last week, but I'm told that he's uh, miraculously feeling better and ready to play against Bolton. He always seems to have a decent game, doesn't he? Yeah, but uh, yeah, with a bit of luck, he'll stumble and fall into the inflatable bath. <laughs> you never know. Right, OK, that is all we have time for for this week's episode of The Buff. Well, this week's second episode of The Buff because we did a transfer one. If you've not listened to it, listen to it. Um, right after this one, don't stop. Just go straight on to the other episode and listen to that one. Um, but uh, hopefully next week we can sit back and review on a on your six-point week, Henry. Yes, going into another six-point week. We're going to have so many six-point weeks from now to the end of the season. We're not going to know what to do with the six points. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just putting the points column. I don't suppose you can do anything else with points other than that. But yes, that will be uh, Northampton away, Cobblers, and uh, Wickham at home. I'm looking at my fixture list as we speak. The Good glamour, grip. the glamour of League One. That really is. That is, if if that is not enough to make you want to get out of League One, uh, nothing is. I tell you what is. I don't want to have to say Bristol Street Trophy Motors Trophy anymore. No, uh, we've had some rogue sponsors. I bet we'll get out of this league and it'll be like, uh, I don't know, it'll be the Mercedes Cup or something. Absolutely. and you'll, uh, Or Papa John's will come back and start offering pizzas. I mean, I, I had nothing against Papa John's except for that ridiculous no uh, apostrophe rule that they had. Um, but I only, got, I only got pizza at the final. What is the point of sponsoring a competition if you're not going to give people like myself pizza for free? You tell me. Have I got a car from yeah. Bristol Street Trophy Motors? No. Am I going to say their <laughs> say their name right once this season? No. You haven't given me anything, so why should I? Anyway, uh, rant over, buff over. I've been Mark Isles. I've been Henry Hewitt, and this has been the buff. <laughs> <laughs>